have to remind myself, this is not a sermon. I've said that over and over again. This is not a sermon. This is not a sermon. It's a meditation. And I say that because it is a weighty and beautiful and glorious passage. Thank you, Pastor Price, for this unison reading. I've had the privilege of just meditating on, on it all week. And I'd like to commend it to you now. This is God's word to us this morning. All the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Through Paul in the book of Romans, God has been making known the amazing revelation of what has been previously hidden. This great mystery of how that that now being revealed through Paul about, in particular, God's plan of salvation and his redemptive intention. He showed what steps were involved in the unfolding plan of gathering up of his elect of both Jews as well as Gentiles. And he reiterated again what what a sovereign work of grace election is. And, And that God's children had and have and will will have nothing within themselves whereby will they be able to claim That God owes them anything. We never have anything within ourselves to merit this work of salvation. Both God's choosing of His elect and the outworking of all the details of His kingdom flows from His unfathomable riches of wisdom and knowledge. Everything. Everything exists for one ultimate purpose. And this is for God's glory and His praise. So Paul's been instructing the the Roman church on these massive subjects of of predestination, of election, and yes, even damnation. And, And all these things, these things that are so weighty, they send our minds reeling and swirling around. And he's been talking about these subjects. And and now he comes to this incredible knowledge and wisdom of God. And he says this, this is the foundation in order for you to understand all of that. This is the glorious consequence. This is the glorious end of all that I have been saying. And it is this, that it should elicit praise and adoration. This is a beautiful doxology. You would not be wrong to think that this section that we have is a glorious acknowledgement and praise over the first 11 chapters. 
Paul's been dealing with these deep theological truths and teaching the Romans, and he's been laying these things out for them. This is the praise at the end of all that, to adore God's sovereign wisdom, to adore His goodness. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Everything, everything that God does, we should respond in adoration and praise like Paul does here when he says, All the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unscrutable are His judgments. Unsearchable His judgments and how unscrutable His ways. This should typify our response about everything God has revealed about Himself as well as His actions. This is how we should respond to every word that proceeds from His mouth. In fact, this is how we should respond, and I know this is weighty, but I want you to think about this with me. This is how we should respond to every circumstance, every hardship that comes into our lives. Because the Lord, He is sovereign, and He controls every single detail. Now, there was some confusion and some misunderstanding in the mind of the Romans concerning God's outworking of His plan of redemption. How does this work? How does this fit together? What about the Jews? What's going to happen now? Why this? Why that? All these questions swirling around in their minds. It's highly likely that some of them, that people called God's word and actions into question. They were, they were beginning to doubt because of what they were going through. They, they were beginning to find fault. Blame God for being, listen to me, unjust and unfair. However, Paul has clearly shown, he's clearly shown that when we find fault with God, it is due to our great limitations and inability to understand. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with God's goodness. God is sovereign and all things happen according to His purpose and goodwill. And so when we are offended by what God does, the fault resides in us, not in Him. The only firm foundation by which we must constantly stand is to trust in God's wisdom, to trust in His goodness and His power. This is the only sure thing that we have. It shouldn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what we are facing. It doesn't matter what the situation is. We are to trust in God's goodness and in His wisdom. He is sovereign and He is in control of all things. So take refuge in this truth. Brothers and sisters, we do not know how all things are going to work for the good of those that love Him. They are working to our good. We are told this. And how can I say that? Because of the goodness and wisdom of God. And in our hurt, in our struggles, we stand on that foundation. And our confidence in these things, they rest upon the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge. He knows the intricacies of our heart into the depths of what He is doing and accomplishing. He knows all these things. Brothers and sisters, we don't. We don't. We can't even see one step to the next. We can't comprehend how God works apart from Him revealing it to us. 
And that is what Paul is telling us here. He's saying, look, I, I can't explain all the details to you. I, I, can't, I can't show you how every detail is connected to the next. What I can tell you is about the richness of the depth of God's wisdom and knowledge. Who is sovereignly controlling all things, working all things for the glory of His name. And so... What do we do to stand upon? We stand on the glory of death of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How is it even possible to comprehend the depth of what God has, is doing? Have you considered this? Paul says at the end of 33, he says this, that, that God's judgments are unsearchable. This refers to His directing and governing of all things. But it also includes, listen to me, His judicial rulings. He directs everything, and He makes judgments based upon His decreed will in eternity. But listen, if we're not careful, and we've all done this, we may be tempted to find fault in the way redemptive history is unfolding in our lives. We may on occasion say things like this, and I know you guys don't say it, I have. That's not fair. Think about this with me. When we say that, we are saying that, that we can look at God's judgment and we can determine whether it's good or it's bad. Our only security, our only confidence is to rely on God's Word and what He has disclosed. And, and where our minds, and yes, even our emotions, cannot connect the dots, we are to submit to the fact that we are creatures that we are finite in our understanding and we are to trust in our sovereign creator. Moses said it in this way. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God has told us what we need to do. And the things we don't know or the things that we don't understand, those are the secret things. They don't belong to us. And we are to leave those things to God. Our confidence in God does not rely upon our ability to understand what He does. We cannot Figure out his next move. Brothers and sisters, our confidence and our hope is found in God's faithfulness. Trusting in his promises to be the father unto us. Look at what Paul says next in verses 34 and 35. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him? that he might be repaid. Paul here is quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from a number of different passages. And he's showing us, listen to me, the consistent flow of God. Malachi 3.6 says it this way, For I, the Lord, do not change. Paul shows here from the Old Testament in these passages that God has not changed in any way, at any time. He has not changed his plan. I say this a lot, but it's good for you to hear. There's no plan B with God. 
You see, salvation from Genesis chapter 3 until the end of time has always been and will remain the same. And that's totally God's sovereign work of grace. Resting upon His mercy. Because man has absolutely nothing to contribute in any way to be chosen or to be saved. Now Paul here in verse 34 is reinforcing what he said in in 33. And I'm going to ask, how can the created fathom the uncreated? For who has known the mind of the Lord? We can't even come close to knowing God's mind. What time is it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Other than some very broad ideas that He has revealed to us, we don't know or comprehend the details and outworking of His decree. You see, I'm going to ask it this way. Who can become his counselor? Who has counseled the Lord? I always think about things like this. To be, to be a counselor, do you, do you know what that means? It, it implies that you have greater knowledge and insight than someone you are counseling on a particular matter. But when we question the outworking of God's redemptive plan, we are assuming a position of becoming God's counselor. Lord, let me give you some insight on how my life can be better. Lord, you just don't understand what's going on. I am the exception, right? And we, 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 we sinfully make these excuses. We're there's times that we're tempted to believe that our ways, that our ideas might be better than what God is doing. Once again, I want to ask, who can counsel God? God is totally self-sufficient, and that should be our security. We should rest in that. To be under the care and guidance of someone who is complete within himself, this is our triune God. Everything He knows and does is perfect. Perfect knowledge. Perfect execution of every detail that relates to your life, to mine, and the expansion of His kingdom. It is perfect. And on the other side of heaven, we will stand in absolute awe of His plan. There's never a moment of hesitation in what God does or says. For there is no flicker of doubt, no uncertainty found in our triune God. And so no matter what the circumstance that we find ourselves in, we must trust in this reality. I've got to cut this thing off. Here's what I'm going to say. And then we're going to pray. We have this beautiful doxology. He's given us this beautiful thing. And then there, there is a major transition in our unison reading, reading in, in 12 and 1, 12, 1 and 2. And essentially, all I want to say in, in regards to this, 11 chapters of spectacular doctrine of what God has done. And he's saying, in light, listen to me, in light of mercy, in light of mercy, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I could spend so much time talking about being a living sacrifice. I'm not going to. 
But I will focus on this. This is all about the mercy of God. And I also want to remind you of this. Brothers and sisters, we came into this world sinful. And our minds are already conformed to the world. We need the preached word. We need the public reading of Scripture. We need the Spirit to move upon us that our minds may be renewed, that we can even get a glimpse of the thoughts of God. May we take this and trust in His plan every single step, regardless of the, the situation, the experience, and yes, even our feelings. 